So do you ever wonder the difference it would make in your tween or teen's life if they knew they had something valuable and meaningful to give to the world? Or ever, have you ever thought like, oh, it would be so nice to serve as a family, but I feel like I cannot even get my teen off the couch and they can tend to be so resistant. Well, I'm Cheryl Gould and I am the host of the Everything Parenting Tweens and Teens Summit. And I am so excited to introduce you to the incredible Natalie Silverstein of Simple Acts Guide. And Natalie is a speaker, consultant, podcast host, and passionate advocate for family and youth service, and the author of Simple Acts, I got it right here, amazing book, Simple Acts, The Busy Teen's Guide to Making a Difference, and Simple Acts, The Busy Family's Guide to Giving Back. Natalie is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to inspiring the next generation of change makers to find their passion for service, and she provides the tools they need to make a meaningful difference in the world, one small act at a time. So Natalie, welcome. I'm so excited that you are here with all of us. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It is such a pleasure to be here with you all, and it's so great to see you again. Yes, I just love, love, love that you're here because this is when I was thinking about, you know, doing the summit, I thought I have to have Natalie come on. I hope she's going to say yes, because what nobody's really talking that I can find that's talking about this. And it is so important to give back for our kids, especially in this day and age of social media and just how you know, we can just be in our own little bubble and, and, you know, not branch out that you're talking about simple acts that we can do to give back. And there's a lot of research around this. And I want you to talk about this. Why is volunteering so important and not just a nice thing to do? Absolutely. Well, that's so true. You know, it seems like a soft subject, as people like to say, you know, it's not real hard hitting, but the truth is there's a tremendous amount of research around this, especially now after the pandemic, right? That was a time of tremendous social isolation. Again, coming inward, closing off, isolating ourselves in our homes. Kids were cut off, not only academically, but socially. They were not able to go out into the community and interact with others. And as you know, as everyone knows, we have a tremendous mental health crisis on our hands for teens and young people. Um, But the research is super clear on this. Now that things are opening up more, it has never been more important for teens and tweens to get out there into the community and connect with others in a meaningful way and volunteer and volunteer with other teens. So the research is super clear. If you volunteer, you live longer, period, full stop. You are healthier, you are happier, less depressed, less isolated, less anxious. Um, Teens that volunteer on a consistent basis are less likely to engage in risky behaviors. And those are defined as early alcohol and drug use, um, teenage pregnancy, school dropout. Kids who volunteer consistently will do better academically, 
Um, and this is true across the board, even if a teen is considered to be at risk themselves. Um, teens that volunteer with their family are more likely to continue to do so as adults. That's a very important point. We should all be doing this work. This shows our kids what we value what we prioritize, and also teens that volunteer with their peers are much more likely to, to continue to want to do that. So it's, it's, you know, it's like the best thing that we can give our kids. I don't know why we wouldn't prioritize this, right? There is a phenomenon called the helper's high. It is literally a physiological response. It's like a runner's high. It's when you do something, we've all experienced this, right? You do something kind for another person, it makes you feel so good yourself. It is this endorphin rush that sort of washes over the brain. Why would we not want to encourage our teens to have this experience and to feel like what they are sharing is meaningful and is wanted and is needed by others? What a sense of responsibility, what a gift to give to our kids. Yeah, why do you think it's so hard? Because I know that everybody that's listening, there's something, well, maybe some of you, it's not, you don't find challenged by this, but I think it's hard in the society that we live in, even though we know it's good, it seems like, you know, I don't know if the belief is like, oh, it's just one more thing. Right. What do you find the reason right. is that we we struggle in this area? Well, for sure, it's becoming one more checkbox of the very long to-do list. And frankly, as you know, we overschedule our teens and our tweens. There is so much um, you know, enrichment activities, academic enrichment, sports, right? Tutoring, you name it. There, these kids are spread pretty thin and they don't have a lot of time to rest. And so what's gonna fall down to the lowest part of the list? This sort of, again, this kind of soft topic, but I am here to make the argument that this should be at the top of your list, not because it is the most important thing to put on your list of activities for your uh, common app for your college application, but because this work fundamentally changes you as a person. It allows you to open up your eyes to the perspectives of uh, and experiences of other people, right? This is such important work for their character. It's character building. Um, and I just believe that it should be something that we prioritize. And by doing so, we are role modeling this for our family. We are living our values, right? It's all about prioritization. So if you can spend an entire day at a soccer tournament or a hockey tournament or gymnastics or whatever it is, chess, if you can find the time to do that, I'm pretty sure you can find the time to make a visit to your local soup kitchen, your local food pantry, to visit with an elderly neighbor, to pick up groceries for someone who is ill or homebound. This is being a, not only a good neighbor and a good person, but this is community building. And this is fundamentally the most important thing that we can do for our kids. I agree. I think that that is so, we just need to remind ourselves, it's the, the, the giving back, the values that you're instilling in your kids and how good you feel when you give back. Right. And it doesn't have to be as big of a deal as we can make it, does it? Right. No. And also this whole mental health crisis piece, you know, really fundamentally, if kids feel like they have something to share, right? And so I, I often encourage people to do a little assessment with their kids when they say, oh, well, I'm not really good at anything, especially now after the pandemic, like, uh, you know, I don't have any skills or special talents or anything. That's not true. 
everyone is good at something. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has skills and talents. They just need a little encouragement to figure out what those are, what they enjoy doing, what they would like to share with others. Then you have to spend a little time, look out in the community, ask, ask your teens, you know, what are the issues that you really care about? What are your concerns? What are you angry about? What are you worried about? Okay, so now what are the organizations either in our community or in the greater world that are addressing those issues? And now how can you share your gifts and talents and skills and the things you enjoy doing with those organizations? I promise you, if you give kids agency like that and a little bit of input into the work that they're doing, they will, as I like to say, they'll stop counting the hours and they'll make the hours count, right? This notion of having a piece of paper that you have to get signed for school, right? That you have to get your community service hours. We have to flip the narrative on that because that's not productive. And it also makes it sort of punitive, right? That this service work is something bad or it's just like a hassle or whatever. No, let's let them find joy in this connection, mentoring younger students, mentoring younger kids. If your son loves to play or a daughter loves to play a sport and they can go out and teach other younger children how to play that sport, those kids are counting on your child to be there, to show up, to help them. Those relationships are so important. And similarly, if you have an elderly neighbor that your child will go over and spend time with, shovel their walk, help them to cook, help them to do their grocery shopping, that relationship will be so special and so important. They will get so much more from that than more chess, more soccer, more gymnastics. Oh yeah, so good, yeah. And so you have a self-assessment and is that assessment asking those questions? Absolutely. Sit down as a family, have a little family meeting. You know, <laughs> kids hate that, but sit down <laughs> a little family meeting. What is our family mission statement? What do we stand for? How are we known in our community? How do we want to be known? How do we want to be remembered? Do we want to be remembered as the family that had the biggest parties and whatever? Or do we want to be remembered as the family that everyone could count on to help out or the family that did service in the community and set an example for that? And then ask kids to go through this process. Make it, you know, people always say to me, how do you get kids to want to do this work? We, first of all, we ask our kids or we insist that our kids do a lot of things that they don't necessarily want to do, like clean their rooms and do their homework. So we make kids do a lot of things that are just a part of their responsibility as a member of our family unit, right? So this is a non-negotiable. We as a family are going to give back. We're going to serve, but Let's have a meaningful conversation about the things that you want to do, the things you enjoy doing, the ways that you want to share your gifts and talents and skills. So we can find a service opportunity, a volunteering job that matches the things that you want to do. And if you can hit that, if you can hit on a kid's passion, they're going to want to do this work and they're going to want to share it with others and invite friends to do it with them. That's really the key. And that takes a little bit of time and effort and maybe spending some time on the computer, maybe making some calls, networking with your local nonprofits, vetting nonprofits, making sure that they're reliable, that they have a good training program, all of those things. This takes a little bit of work as everything does in parenting, but I promise you that it will be worthwhile. And again, it's meaningful and needs to be prioritized just as much as tutoring, soccer, hockey, sports, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which are all things that are very important. Kids should lead well-balanced lives 
but I believe that service is the, one of the most important pieces of that puzzle. Yeah, I love that. And just being able to even um, say, where do we see a need? Mm-hmm. Where is there a gap? Like, where do you see a need? Right. And getting them to think about that. And your books, you have your two books, you have so many great ideas that I never thought about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And even the way that, you know, ordering pizza during the pandemic that you, you um, with your family, you ordered pizza to be delivered to the emergency room, right? Wasn't that what you did? Yeah, we happen to have a friend who's the head of an emergency room. So during the really the toughest part at the beginning, you know, what did we didn't know what to do, right? The meal train got set up and we and we jumped on it. But you know, there's there are ways for your kids to give back in every possible, you know, if they enjoy if they love animals, if they care about the environment, they have a friend who's who's suffering with some particular health issue, you know, walkathons, fundraisers, if they're old enough to give blood. I mean, you know, there are literally limitless ways to give back in your community if you just keep sort of eyes, ears, hearts, and minds open to to the needs of others. Um, And if your child comes home or your teen comes home and says, you know, I saw someone who was struggling on the street today, um, or, you know, I, I saw someone littering today and that really upset me. These are all conversation openers, right? Like lean into the tough conversations right? If, if your child is not old enough to vote, but they feel really passionately about the issues that are impacting your community, but they can drive, guess what they can do? They can drive their elderly neighbors to the polling station. That's a thing that pe- we need people to do this. Like there are just limitless ways to give back in the community that are meaningful and that give kids this sense of satisfaction and responsibility which is what we all need. They need to feel seen, right? And appreciated for their gifts. And I think that service is like the best way to do that. Oh, it is. It is. So what are some actionable steps? So you've given a few. So uh, what would you say? Like, what are some key things just to start doing? I literally tell people, First of all, I happen to curate a listing of family-friendly volunteer opportunities in New York City, and it is published at the end of every month for the following month. So it could not be any easier for a New York City family. You get this in your inbox free, and it pops up, and it has like eight to 10 family-friendly volunteer opportunities that are happening in the coming month. So at the end of August, there'll be this wonderful thing that comes out for all of September, for example. So what is it, as you look at your calendar, everybody's going to start to do this, right? As you know, the school year goes on at the end of the month, you look ahead. What are the milestones? Who has a birthday coming up? What are the things happening at school? What are the holidays on the calendar? You know, as, as we get into Halloween, as we get into Thanksgiving and what I like to call the giving holidays, Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Three Kings, Kings Day and New Year's. How can you think, and again, I, I am not here to add more to your to-do list, which is very long, but as you look ahead, if your child has a birthday, is there any way that they can, you can ask them to choose a service project or an opportunity, a donation drive, something that they can incorporate giving back into the celebration of their very special day? Your child's having a sleepover. They can collect pajamas for the pajama program or for a local foster care agency, right? Halloween is at the end of the month. Can your child help to collect gently used costumes? and get them into the hands of foster children or, or children living in shelters, right? 
you know, with thanks, please, I don't even need to go into how many ways you can give back to the community in terms of food insecurity around Thanksgiving, with a gentle reminder that people aren't just hungry at Thanksgiving and Christmas, they're hungry every day, every month of the year, and that your local food pantry can use your help. So just take a look at your calendar and be mindful and intentional about this. Look at the, the coming up month, find one or two or three ways that you might be able to give back individually or as a family and mark your calendar, write it down, circle it, and give yourself the permission to look for ways to give back in those, in those few instances. And I promise you, if you start to develop these traditions around certain holidays and certain milestones, and you do them with consistency, it just becomes so much easier. It just becomes a part of your daily life, the way that you go through the world. And you think about it, it's such a great way to connect as a family. Sure. A hundred percent. You're all working together. That's your, that's a value you hold in your family and you're passing that on to them Absolutely. to be able to help others and, and get that gratification of how good that feels. And when you think about it, that's some of the things that I remember the most is right. when I did something for somebody else and it felt right. really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that the, certainly the holiday giving traditions are the ones that stick with my family. And I think that this is true. I, I was once speaking to a group and a young woman raised her hand and it was again, a, a parents of very young children. Um, so a little bit different than your audience, but everyone will remember this. And she said, um, you know, it's funny. I, I always remember doing this work with my family. I just don't really know when it started. It's just something we always did. And I said, well, there it is, right? You've, you've all just, we've just answered the question because everyone was like, well, well, how old do they have to be to start? Can they be four? Can they be five? I'm like, can we stop talking about the specific age of the child? And can we just talk about that this is work that is just part of how we move through the world? And she said, it's just something that she and her family always did. And that's, it just left an impression on her. And so now this is stuff that she wants to do with her own family. So yes, it's, again, the research is clear. If you volunteer with your family as a child, you are like three X more likely to do so as an adult on an ongoing basis and to do so with your own family. And again, it, you know, in these sort of studies of just like feelings and emotions and whatever families that volunteer together are more connected. They are more, you know, integrated. They share more, you know, happy memories. It's just, it's just, you know, this is kind of a no brainer, you know? Yeah, I know. it's so good, Natalie, but we need to keep ourselves consciously aware of how important it is because it's so easy to have, you know, get way too bogged down and way too busy and we need to shift. Absolutely. But, you know, shift those priorities and 100%. remember another little nice action item that I like to say, and I've, I'm going to share this as a, a something that people can, can email me and receive is you can create a little kindness challenge and just hang it up on your refrigerator. So it's the 14 days of February leading up to Valentine's. It's similar to an advent calendar, right? The 25, 24 days leading up to Christmas, um, or, or the certain number of days of the month leading up to your child's birthday, every single day of that month, leading up to this, whatever event holiday, you know, one act of kindness every single day. So at the end of the day, you look at the list and you check off the box. I mean, these are small cues, but I think they do motivate and they give you something joyful to look forward to, right? It's fun to sort of count down to this event or to your birthday or to, you know, a special holiday. 
And it's just another thing to have in your, in sort of your consciousness in your kitchen, right? We're so focused on our schedule. We're so focused on our to-do lists. Why can't service and kindness also be a part of that? Yes. So, um, Natalie, you are, you have some freebies that yes. you're going to give away. So is that one of the freebies yes. that you're talking about? Challenge? Absolutely. And I can, I will create something that makes it sort of easily, um, you can just create anything you like, but it's sort of a template for how to do a kindness challenge. And I'm also going to provide a list of just really sort of generic resources for you such that, as I said, you, you ask your children and your teens, what are the issues that you care about? And so this will kind of break it down by social justice issue. So if you care about hunger, if you care about homelessness, if you care about the environment, here are some ideas of things that you can do. This is not reinventing the wheel, right? This is all stuff that you may have already thought of and that you could find on the internet pretty easily. But I'll also refer you to some, re some resources, some good organizations to really get started if you wanted to dig in and do a little bit of your own research. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of a spark, you know, a little list that you hand out to your teens and say, hmm, take a look at this list. Tell me on this list, what interests you? What are you curious about? Okay. Now let's pick one of the organizations and let's spend a few minutes on the computer and talk about it. Love it. And now the holidays are going to be coming up. And so it's a perfect time to look at it and, and pick those things that you want to do and, uh, and get started now. And that's really the key. Pick something and stick to it right? <laughs> that consistency with our teens, this is true of everything, right? If, if it's like anything else, it's like practicing. Empathy is a muscle, right? You would never hand a kid a guitar or a violin or a cello and say, go ahead and play it. No, you would set them up with, with a teacher to teach them how to use it. And then you would insist that they practice. And this is exactly the same getting out there in the community, volunteering, interacting with other people, learning what it is that we need to be doing to help those in need. This is something that has to be practiced over and over again to create a comfort level, but also just to create a sense of, of joy in the work. So empathy is a muscle and it has to be practiced just like anything else. So just pick something and stick to it. Yeah. And it's fun. We can make right. it fun. Absolutely. <laughs> And it's, and it's social and it's social, right? You know, especially now that things are opening up again and kids were so isolated from each other. Listen, kids like to go to the movies. They like to go to the mall. They like to go shopping. They like to hang out, all of those things. How about <laughs> we all go and we do a, a park cleanup or a beach cleanup, and then we go out for pizza, right? How about you kids do a fundraiser with a car wash or something, and then they donate the proceeds to a local charity? How about there's a donation drive and they get all the kids together and they do all the sorting and the donating? This, you know, anything that's a group dynamic like that, where you can get some enthusiasm going, they're going to want to do it and they're going to want to do it with their friends. So that really, to me, this is um, a positive peer pressure as far as I'm concerned. And again, back to the statistic I quoted, teens who do this work with other teens are more likely to want to continue to do it on a regular basis. So encourage that. That's, those are the kinds of kids that you want your child and your teen hanging out with. Love it. That's the peer pressure that we want. The positive 100%. peer pressure. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Yeah. That is great. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on because this is so important. And this is a big missing piece to our kids' mental, physical, emotional health. 
and, and wellness. So I am just so grateful for you and the work that you're doing and everybody has to head over right now and get Natalie's freebie and download that so that you can get started and create more of this environment and culture within your own family. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It was such a pleasure to be with you.